God, as you are alive and living, Lord, pray that your word would, Lord, impact our lives today, God, in a way that would transform eternity. Lord, that you transform our minds, our hearts, our will, all of it, Father, that you would direct our steps. Lord, in all the challenges of life and all the changing seasons that we go through, Father, pray that you'd be glorified right now. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Amen. All right. Uh, So today, as we kick off talking about different people who met Jesus, I want to introduce you to the very first people who ever met Jesus, his mom, Mary, all right? Mary and Joseph, they met Jesus, believe it or not. Um, It was fairly uncomfortable in that moment, kind of freaky, uh, in a place they weren't too used to, at least not Mary. But you have a young lady who uh, had recently been engaged, or what they would call betrothed. You have Joseph, a hardworking carpenter, ready to build a house and make a living for his new family. And what happens? Nothing other than an angel shows up and says, Hey, Mary, uh, I know you're not married yet, and I know you and Joseph haven't really... um, hung out much, but you're pregnant, or you're going to be pregnant. What? What are you talking about? And she's like, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense to me. And immediately, as the idea of Jesus coming into these people's lives, two things happened for sure. And it will happen to every single person who meets Jesus. You will be challenged, and things will be changed, all right? Today, we're talking about when Jesus comes into our lives, and into the lives specifically of Mary and Joseph, Uh, they are going to be challenged, or they were challenged, and they were changed. And that's true for us. The very same thing is true, that when you give your life to the Lord, there's going to be things that challenge you, challenge your faith, challenge your actions, challenge your discernments, challenge your passions, your desires, your free time. All of it will be challenged, uh, and things will be changed. You will be changed even in the rapture. We're not done being changed. When the rapture happens, so that we are transformed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that we are transformed into glory. It's incredible. Um, what's so unique about Mary? What's one of the, the most unique things about Mary? She what? She was a virgin. And then what happened? What makes Mary so different than pretty much every other mom that's ever lived on the face of the planet? Chiggy. She didn't have to hang out with Joseph. All right. That's true. She had Jesus, right? You ask a little kid, like, where's Jesus? He's like, in my heart. Yes, Mary, like, he's in my stomach. Like, it was a whole new different concept of where is Jesus right now. Uh, Mary knew Jesus in a very intimate, real way, and it brought incredible challenges and incredible change into her life. And we're talking about it. Uh, Mary, the first thing that it challenged or would challenge is her logic, the way that she thinks. And the same thing is true for us. The way that we think, our logic, you can go to the next slide, uh, Luke chapter 1, take a look at verse 29, all right? Your logic, the way that you think, starting at verse 29. But when she saw him, she was troubled. This is talking about the angel just showed up, just said, hey, Mary, you're going to have a child, and all this stuff's going on. God's got a plan. He's in it. Take a look. But when she saw him, the angel, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. What is going on? I don't understand. Nothing made sense. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and she shall call his name, or and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob or all of Israel. 
forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. He's an eternal king, this baby in your womb. Verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? I've never hung out with Joseph. We've never cuddled up, all right? Uh, This is impossible. How is this going to happen? She didn't say, no, don't let this happen. She just couldn't put the dots together. I don't understand. I've always been told one plus one is is two, uh, and now you're telling me one plus zero is two, and this doesn't make sense, and what's going on? I don't know if you guys have ever been confused or you've been challenged or God begins to do something that doesn't make sense in your life, but whenever God starts doing things, sometimes they don't make sense. If it makes sense, then we might be doing it on our own, but when God is doing it, God moves in ways that people don't. God moves in ways that people can't. That's why they're called miracles. Miracles, what is a miracle? Miracle is simply something happening that cannot happen. A miracle is something that happens that can not happen. Like feeding the 5,000, right? That massive crowd with just a tiny little lunchbox or walking on water uh, or healing the blind or, uh, I mean, fill in the blank. The things that Jesus did, they're called miracles because they can't happen, but they did. And the very first miracle we see God doing in the New Testament is sending his son through Mary. And she says, this doesn't make sense. I've never known a man. This, This isn't working out quite the way I would think. And the very same thing is true. Look, life is a miracle. We still can't create it. We can't. It's impossible. Thousands and thousands and thousands of years later, we cannot create life. We can manipulate life, experiment with life, uh, but we cannot start life. Life is in the power of God's hands and his alone. So there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. That is the Lord God, Jesus Christ, none like him. He gives life. And he says, I desire that you would have life and that more abundantly. The miracle of life, but also the miracle of salvation. How can we be? It's impossible. Before Jesus, without Jesus, it is impossible to be saved. Josh, you got to chill with the shoes, okay? No more straps? Thank you. Salvation. Think about it. Salvation for a minute, okay? You and God. You're born, boom, there's you and God. Yes, you agree so far? There's God, there's you, and then you've sinned. You told a lie. You stole mom's gum without asking. You rebelled and uh, didn't do what she said, or you deceived her and snuck out to the movies, or whatever, okay? You coveted. You wanted something your sister or brother had. You took her shirt without asking, and uh, you broke a law, okay? You're a sinner, Now, guess what? The only thing that you are for sure guaranteed is condemnation into the lake of fire for all of eternity, okay? Bible says that without Jesus, Jesus didn't come to condemn because we were already condemned. He didn't have to point the finger. It's already done. Our sin's pointing the finger at us every single time we sin. The miracle of salvation, it's incredible that without God, there is no hope. Mary sitting here, pregnant in a way that she could not understand. It did not make sense. It challenged the way that she thought God would move. It challenged the way that she would be maybe willing to have God move. Are you willing to have God move in your life? Would you say, hey, God wants to do something huge in your life. Are you willing to let him? What's the answer? Most of us be like, yeah, I want to see God do something huge in my life. I want to see something tremendous. I want God to use me. What if it's in a way that you couldn't even imagine right now? What if it's something you couldn't dream of right now? 
Because usually the things that God wants to do, they're not in our imagination. They're not in accordance with our plans. They're outside of those things. Mary, though, she was willing to have her plans changed. She was probably working on her wedding design and talking to Joseph and where are you going to live? And oh, he's building this house and all this stuff. And what? I'm pregnant. This is crazy stuff going on. It will challenge your logic, the way you think. It will also challenge love. When Jesus Christ came into their life with Mary, it challenged love, specifically the people that she loved, right? Who did she love most at this point? Probably. What do you think? Who did Mary love the most? Joseph, right? She's all excited. I'm getting married. Uh, how many of you girls already have your like wedding dress? Josh, you got to stop, man. All right, I'm going to make you go through this. How many of you girls are like dreaming of your wedding day already? Uh-huh. Always. Um, <laughs> like, how many of you guys got the place picked out? Oh, my gosh. Um, flower design picked out. What? Are you serious? It's in Las Vegas. It's in? All right. <laughs> All right. Like, that's crazy. But now, like, guys were like, oh, yeah, marriage. What is that again? Hey, oh, yeah, we'll get, we'll get there someday. I'm too busy, right? We're playing different games or hanging out. But girls are always thinking, and look, her plans are about to be challenged in a tremendous way. And so, look, not only her thought and her logic, how is this taking place, but it was challenging the people that she loved the most and how much she loved them. She had to choose right here, right now. Remember, Joseph doesn't know yet. He has no clue. She hasn't told him. She just had this dream, uh, or sorry, this uh, meeting with this angel, and he tells her the plan. She has to choose now, do I love God or Joseph more? Which one do I love the most? Because if you go, I guarantee you, try it out. Find someone that's engaged and try and get the girl, hey, go tell him you're pregnant, but it's not his. Right? Right? Yeah, hey, I love you so much. And I was looking at the ring you gave me. And look at the picture of my dress, but not too fast because you're not supposed to see it. And I was thinking about the flowers, and by the way, I'm pregnant, but it's not yours. And um, so, hi. It's not going to go well. It's not going to go well. And so Mary is challenged, not just in, is this even possible, but are you willing to step out in what God has called you to do? She has to pick. I think if she would have been like, no way, I want nothing to do with this. God doesn't force people into service. God doesn't force people to follow him. God doesn't force people into his plan. If Mary would have been like, no way, I've got a wedding in three months. I've got my plan. Joseph and I are going to live in a two-story house by the Sea of Galilee, and we're going to raise three kids, but not for five more years, and, and we're going to fish and, and all this good stuff. And we're going to go on vacation. And All right, you can love Joseph more than God. And every one of you will have to make that decision someday. Maybe with your friends. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe someday it'll be your own husband or wife. Maybe someday it'll be your mom or your dad. But who will you love more? Because I'll tell you right now, if you're with Jesus, it will be challenged. Joseph, she could almost guarantee, Joseph's going to disown me. Joseph's going to cancel the wedding and then what? Shame. And people are going to find out I'm pregnant, but I'm not married. And so my neighbors and then my family and then, oh my goodness. But she loved God most. It's interesting. 
Matthew. Flip over to Matthew. Now, see, we get to know what Joseph ends up thinking, but she didn't. Her faith was in a massive way on trial. Matthew chapter 1, find verse 18. And, you know, God is helping Matthew out too. He doesn't just hang him up to dry. He, he lets him in on what's going on because Matthew makes his own set of plans. He finds out, and they had, they had that conversation. Somewhere along the line, Mary comes out, and she's like, hey, Mary, or Joseph, we've got to talk. He's like, oh, yeah, um, do you want the living room white or like that cool tan color everyone's doing? We could do like a white door with a tan wall. No, we've got to talk. Oh, okay, what's up? You know I love you, right? Yeah, I love you too. Wait a minute. I've seen that look before. What did you do? Nothing, I promise. Okay, what's up? I'm pregnant. But we've never hung out. Take a look. Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse uh, 18. Just read uh, where we at. 18, we'll go on for a little bit. Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, they're engaged, they're, they're locked into this thing. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Wow, God did what he said. Imagine that. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example of her, was minded to put her away secretly. He makes this decision. Okay, look, there's no way I'm marrying you. It's not right. You've walked in sin. You've committed adultery. You've you've broken my trust. There's no way I'm marrying you. But I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to bring you around the town square and tell everyone what you did and make this a big, huge extravaganza and bring just a ton of disgrace into your life and into your family's life. But there's no way this is going to work out. He's a just man. He's doing the right thing. But go on. What about Joseph? His logic and his love is being challenged now too. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, hold on a second. How often do we think about things? (laughs) Not as much as we should. We think about things. We think about Xbox and PlayStation. We think about the beach and In-N-Out and double-doubles with chopped chilies and grilled onions. and right. We think about all kinds of stuff. But how often do we think about things that matter? Not that often. Look what happens. If you guys would begin to think, Lord, this is what's going on. Look what happens. Verse 20, while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. There's some pretty, pretty, pretty big steps of faith going on. Mary chooses the Lord over Joseph. That's tremendous. She chooses to follow the Lord over her own logic. Things aren't going the way that she had planned. They definitely were going actually in ways that no one would believe 
right? Okay, so luckily Joseph now, he's in this position of wrestling. He has this angel, and they have this dream, and he tells them, hey, what, what this is is God's doing, and he wants you to be part of it, Joseph. He wants you to be part of it. You're going to raise this kid, and you're going to be part of this kid's life, and you're, you need to go marry Mary, right? He's like, uh, okay. Yeah, it wasn't that easy for him either. Imagine bringing home your pregnant fiance. Hey, mom, she's pregnant. Yeah, but it's not mine. Then who is it? It's God's. It, well, it's kind of. It's actually God with us. His name's going to be Jesus. Emmanuel, it's, it, it's complicated. Guys, sometimes when we take a step towards the Lord, people aren't going to like it. People aren't going to understand it. It's not going to make sense to them. But remember, miracles don't always make sense. That's why they're miracles. They're impossibilities that actually come to be possible. Joseph, his logic and his love, look, she cheated on me all the way to this point of what are they going to think about us and all this baby, and now she's pregnant, but we're going to get married. And he steps out in faith and trusts the Lord. But an incredible responsibility. This part blows my mind. The responsibility that God gave to Joseph. God will challenge your responsibility. He will trust you. And he says, look, to whom much has been given, much will be required. Look at verse 21 again. It says, uh, in the dream that Joseph's having, it says, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. And he goes on and says, it actually will be Emmanuel, God with us. Like, what's so big about that? What if you were supposed to babysit God? What? What do you mean? Yeah, the fate of the world is going to be in this little crib in the corner of your room. Make sure nothing bad happens to him. What do you mean? It's God. Jesus was 100% God. He is God fully, completely, in every way possible. And yet he's like, hey, Joseph, yeah, you know how like there's this big role that fathers pray, play in people's lives? Yeah, he's going to like kind of talk how you talk. What? It's true. I mean, you guys may or may not catch it, but you say things the way that your mom and dad say things. You tell the same corny jokes. Not quite as good. You're trying to be like them, but it doesn't work quite the same. Or you pick your nose the same way your dad picks his nose. Or what? We have these funny little traits. We do. You get in the car and you do the same thing your parents do. Start looking. You do it. And so God says, hey, Joseph, Jesus is going to be influenced by you. What? Now, it won't change his character, but a sense of humor? Jesus, you get to show him how to have a sense of humor. Or Joseph. Joseph, he'll never lie. Isn't it crazy? Jesus never lied. He never stole. He never threw a temper tantrum. I'm sure he had diaper rash or got hungry and cried. I'm sure he fell down and skinned his knees playing soccer or something. But he never, he never threw a temper tantrum. He never lied. He never deceived his parents. But Joseph, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you be his earthly father. What? I'm supposed to provide and take care of and train him up? I get to teach him how to swing a hammer and a chisel and a, make him a carpenter? Like, this is crazy. Well, maybe it's not quite to the same degree, but guys, God puts people in your lives 
so that you can influence them? Is it a brother or a sister? Is it a neighbor? Is it a kid at school? Is it someone you're going to meet in September when you guys get back in class? God puts people in your life so that you would influence them and make an impact. It's a tremendous challenge, but it's a tremendous responsibility. Think about it. As this goes on, and Joseph and Mary know this, like, this is crazy. No one else knows this, but this is crazy. This is nuts. This is beyond us. I mean, it's easy. He's awesome. He's God, but this is insane. And then they'll remember, remember that time, Joseph, you grounded Jesus? Like, what? You think Jesus ever got grounded? No? Think you ever got a spanking? You gotta be kidding me. You never got in trouble for something you didn't do? Uh huh. You ever get in trouble because of something your brother or sister did? Well, Jesus had brothers. And I guarantee the cross wasn't the first time he was guilty of being innocent. Joseph was probably like, oh my gosh, I just grounded God. Well, I lost my temper with Jesus. Like, this is crazy. So did Jesus grow up and like on his 20th birthday be like, you're not even my father and rain down fire and just disintegrate him? Right? No. He didn't. He could have been like, I don't know. I knew your thoughts when I was 10 years old. I can't believe what you were thinking or what you did. Or I know. It and raw judgment. Boom. Like it could have been crazy. And so we think that if we let God into our lives more, it's going to get crazy. Because God's going to know more about me. And he's going to call down fire in a sense. And he might judge me. And he might bring down the hammer. Guys, God already knows everything about and in the very same way, when he died on the cross for the sins of the world, that included his mom and dad. Sometimes the hardest people to forgive are the people closest to you. It's tough. Having Jesus will challenge every aspect of your life. Who you forgive, who you let in. It will challenge how comfortable you are, for sure. Look, where did Mary and Joseph end up traveling to on a donkey? They end up in Egypt, but before Jesus was there, Mary and Joseph, Jesus is his little basketball, right? Bethlehem. And they hang out in the Hilton uh, with a heated jacuzzi and right, grapes being fed to them by servants. Like, where did they stay? Oh, you're wrong. It was in a hollowed out rock in the side of a hill, okay? We get this picture of a barn, a manger. They didn't have wood back then. Even still, if you go around Israel, most of it is not this dense forest. Wood was a very precious thing, so they did not build very many things out of wood. They'd find a mountainside, right? Who would waste a bunch of wood building a shack next to a field for sheep? You don't do that. And so you find a hillside, and you find big granite rocks that kind of stop the rain, and you just dig into the hill, or you chisel away. It's cold. It's dark. It's damp. It smells like goat and cow turds, like, all over the place. There's chickens running by. There's probably uh, a billion spiders. It's nasty. And yet this is where they're shaking. It's the middle of the night, probably cold. What's going on? This is nuts. It may get uncomfortable. When Jesus comes into our life, it's not a promise of luxury. It's a promise of salvation and a promise of eternity, a promise of God's provision and protection and blessing and love and grace and mercy. But comfort's not really one of them. Rarely is it one of them. Only when his blessings come. They end up in this, 
think Jesus himself was put in a feeding trough. The, the cute little manger with the hay, it's a feeding trough. It's where they would dump all the sludge that the animals would eat. They tried to clean it out, I'm sure, put some hay down and plop this newborn baby, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Jesus didn't come expecting much. In fact, he didn't come expecting anything. He came to serve. Matthew chapter 8, you guys can flip your Bibles just a little bit if you want to, but Matthew chapter 8, look, it's going to challenge our logic, the way that things work like it did with Mary. I've never known a man. How am I going to be pregnant? This is crazy. God's got a plan, Mary. Will you trust it? Oh, man, well, now it's going to challenge my love. Who do I love the most? Do I love Joseph or God more? I pick God. The responsibility of raising Jesus, the comfort that they did not have. Matthew chapter 8, starting at verse 19, it says, Then a certain scribe came and said to Jesus, he's grown up now, he's in his 30s, he's going around, people are following him, he says, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you Go. I want to be like one of your disciples. I want to go with you everywhere you go. Jesus says, really? I love that. In fact, that's why I'm here. I came so that you would believe and you would trust and you would follow. That's, that's, this is it. I can't wait to get back to my throne in heaven and angels. And, but look, you'll go with me anywhere I go. And he gives them a very clear reality I will follow you anywhere you go. And Jesus said to him, look, foxes have holes, right? They dig their holes and they live down in their little dens. Birds of the air have their nests. They fly up there and bring sticks and camel's hair and whatever, and they build their nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus didn't have a home. He didn't have a luxurious lifestyle. He didn't have all the comforts that everyone, even poor people, enjoyed. From the moment he was born till the moment he died, he laid his head on a rock. Sure, there were moments in the middle that with mom and dad growing up or different things, but what if God says, hey, things are going to get a little bit uncomfortable for a little while? What if it challenges your friendships? I'm not going to have any friends. What if I'm not going to be popular? What if, what if, what if, what if? It may not be comfortable and popularity. You think it was popular to be pregnant before you got married? Definitely not popular to be pregnant before you get married. So Mary's got a problem. Was it popular to marry a pregnant lady? Definitely not. In a tremendous way, not. It will not always be popular to follow the Lord. Have any of you guys ever lost a friend because you're following Jesus? Any of your friends ever walk away? I've had a few. How many of you guys like, yep, there's so many used to hang out with, but the more I came to church and read my Bible or didn't want to do what they wanted to do, look, it's not free. Salvation is free. Following the Lord, though, it might cost something. It may not be that comfortable. But remember something. All the people who give you a hard time for following Jesus will never love you as much as Jesus. They won't. All the people who give you a hard time for following the Lord will never love you as much as the Lord already does. It'll never happen. Oh, you don't know my friend, man. He's got my back. He's like my homie. Take a bullet for him. All right. But would he hang on a cross for you? No way. You might lose some friends, but what's nuts, you gain a family. You gain your father in heaven. You gain eternity. So we will be challenged. Mary and Joseph are challenged. 
I'm going to be pregnant. That's not possible, but boom, it happened. Uh, who do I love the most, God or man? Uh, I'm going to challenge, but God. And down the list it goes, but it also changes. Not only are we challenged, but things changed. Let's take a look at it, okay? The life of Mary. What does she become now? She's a single lady. She's a, uh, a young girl. She becomes pregnant. She gets married. For the first time in her life, she's a mom. Things changed in a, in a big way. Take a look. John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. You know what's crazy? Before we believe in Jesus Christ, we are called enemies of the cross. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. And the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, says, you can call me father now, and you are my son, and you are my daughter, and let's hang out, let's talk, let's walk this walk together. Oh, by the way, I've gone to prepare a place for you, and when it's all done, I will come back and receive you to myself. It's incredible, but it will change us. It changes us completely. What does it mean to fear the Lord? For the first time in your life, when you get saved, you will begin to understand what it means to fear God. You guys ever uh, tempted to do something bad, right? Throw a rock at a moving car just because or, right, whatever. Like, we all have our own problems. But now growing up, have you guys ever been tempted to do something bad and the only, re the only reason you didn't do it was because you knew dad would find out? Right? How many of you guys have had that moment? Like, or your, t your friends are, oh, how did more hands go up now than anyways? Um, We've had that moment. Or how many of you guys were tempted to do something or a friend's trying to get you to do it, but you're like, dude, there's, I can't do that because it would so disappoint my mom or my dad. You guys ever have that one? All right. Guys, it's the very same thing. The fear of the Lord, it changes things. You're his son now or his daughter now. And even your friends are tempting you, hey, hey, come on, let's go watch this or let's go um, hang out with these guys or let's go to the store and take that or let's go whatever it is. When your sole reason for not stepping into sin is because of the Lord, you've begun to understand what the fear of God is. It's not that you're, oh my gosh, I think God hates me. Oh my gosh, I think God hates me. Oh my gosh, I'm sure God hates me. There's no way. He's my father in heaven. I cannot go against him. It changed their life, their mom and a dad now. And same thing for us, it changes our lives. We are his sons and his daughters. It also changes what we're living for, not just that we're alive or what we are in life, but it changes what we are living for. Their thoughts were continually on Jesus. Everything, when you have a baby, guess what? Everything's about the baby, right? It doesn't matter if you're hungry, feed the baby first, or change the baby, or Joseph, get the baby, or the baby's awake. Like, you don't get to sleep when you want to sleep. You sleep when the baby lets you sleep. Everything's around this baby. And so all of a sudden, everything was about Jesus. And that's exactly how it is for us, at how it ought to be. The book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 2, it says, To set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. We could all probably write an endless list of the things we want uh, to either have or have done or have accomplished in our lives. And can go, oh, I want a new pair of shoes, and I want new clothes before school, and I want a new skateboard, and I want new cleats, and I want to go to Hawaii someday, and I'd love to fly an airplane before I die, and I want to, want to, want to, want to, want to, want to, oh, all right, fine, I guess. But how bad do you want eternal things? the wisdom of God, the grace of God, the compassion of Jesus. 
says, turn your mind. You know what's funny about this? It says, right, doesn't it say it? Set your mind, to turn your mind on things above. It means that our minds were first set on something else. What's your mind set on? What's the most important thing? It's got to be Jesus. Mark chapter 12, verse 30, it's another gospel. The greatest commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. That is to be the definition of our lives as a son or a daughter. Not only are we challenged, but it will change the way that we see things, the things that we fight for and stand for. You guys fight for stuff, right? What, what do you fight for? I don't, I don't, ice cream? <laughs> Remind me not to take your ice cream. The we control. The we control, right? You fight your brother and sister for the we control. Um, either one, I don't know. The TV remote. Look at how many of our problems we solved. We threw away Wii's and TV's. Shotgun for the car. Like, I called it first. Well, I'm bigger. <laughs> I'm grounded now, but at least, ah. Right? Josh, what do you fight for? All right, I hope so. What else? Give me one more thing. <laughs> you fight for the BB gun, right? If you don't give me that, I'll shoot you with it. Um, I, I don't know. I, don't, I would not want to fight you for, I wouldn't want to let you have it either, though. So I don't know. Um, look, we all fight for stuff. Whether I mean, it's classic example, sh the shotgun sitting in the front seat. We, we'll go to full-blown war over it. Try and tie our brother's shoes together so that we can get to the car first or lock him in the bathroom or whatever, right? Shotgun! And we get our feelings hurt and our emotions hurt and we're willing to get grounded so that we can get shotgun. What is wrong with us? Will you fight like that for your faith? There will be moments in your life where you have to or you will simply forfeit your faith. Would you though? If someone tells you this fall at school, oh no, your God and the God of Islam and, and Mormonism and Catholics, it's all the same God. We just sit there and be like, okay. We'll find out. You will find out. In the next few months, you're going to be radically challenged at your schools, by your teachers, and by your friends. Oh, you don't go to public school. You will be challenged. God will see to it that you are challenged. Because when we are challenged, things change. Your faith will be strengthened, it will be increased, and you will walk with God into places you never thought possible. But would you fight for it? Would you speak up? Matthew 6, seek first. Not shotgun, not the Wii remote. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. What does that mean? Seek first Jesus Christ, seek first eternal life, and then everything else after that, you do whatever you want. You can play the Wii, you can try and get shotgun, you can go to the beach, you can go surfing, you can go skating, you can do ballet, you can do whatever. As long as you love God first, nothing else will fall apart. Not that matters. Last two things that 
were changed. Joseph, his role changed. He's a leader now. If you read in Matthew chapter 2, what were the wise men doing there? When they came, they find baby Jesus in the manger, and they begin to do different things. What were the wise men doing there? Giving gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and there's just this incredible worship going on. Angels are going crazy. Shepherds come. It's like the biggest first birthday Bethlehem's ever seen, for sure. And so everything going on in there, they came to worship, but they were also there for one other reason. They were supposed to go back to King Herod and tell Herod, hey, this is where the baby was born uh, so that you can go there. Now, what they did not know at first is Herod was like, sweet, I'm going to go there. I'm going to rip that little boy's head off. That's what he meant. That's what he meant. Like, oh, I said it to my brother all the time. No, he meant it. He was on a mission to kill Jesus. And so the wise men, before they leave, uh, God warns them. It's a divine revelation. He says, hey, go another way. So they go all the way around his kingdom, and they go back to their homeland a totally different way. And then God warns Mary and Joseph and says, hey, um, just so you know, they're going to try and kill your baby. He's about two years old now, and so now Joseph has to make a decision. What do I do? Do we stay here and try and hide? Do we go back uh, to the Sea of Galilee? What, What do we do? Where do we go? And the Lord sends them down into Egypt. Talk about uncomfortable, again, a land they're not from, a nation that they're not a part of, into a place they probably didn't know very many people, but they were there. Joseph had to lead. A position of leadership is hard. There's one person for sure you're leading. Do you know who it is? Little brother, maybe yourself? Where are you going to take yourself? You ever gone on a walk by, by yourself? Who's leading you? You. You're choosing left or right or forward or backward or up or down or whatever. You choose when to stop or when to run, how fast to go. Will you choose to follow Jesus? Would you let him lead or do you want to hang on to the reins? First Thessalonians chapter 4 Tells us, we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business. Any of you guys got a problem with that? Oh, all right. And to work with your own hands. What does it mean? Don't be lazy. Oh, man. It means don't expect free stuff. That's exactly what it means. But I like free stuff. Doesn't matter. As we commanded you, that you may walk properly towards those who are outside, that your witness would be good to the non-believer, and that you may lack nothing. You can't make someone else love the Lord. You can't. You can influence them. God will give you the opportunity to witness to them and to share with them, but you have got to choose to lean in and to go to Jesus every time with whatever it is, to lead (laughs) a quiet life and to mind your own business. Last thing's location. Change the location. They left where they were to go to Bethlehem. Then now they're living down in Egypt. And their location was changing all the time into places they weren't used to going. My location's the same. I've lived in this house my whole life. The moment you come to Jesus, you are no longer part of this world. This is not home anymore. And the longer you're with the Lord, the more you'll want to be home, I promise. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Our citizenship, I'm a U.S. citizen. 
All right, cool, be proud of it. But that's not, that's not it anymore. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's where we belong. That's where we want to go to, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Nuts. It's awesome. Mary and Joseph. A lot of things changed for them when Jesus came. And the closer you get to the Lord and the more that you invite Jesus into the decisions that you have to make, and you begin to say, Lord, do big things in my life. But that doesn't make sense. What is that? Mary, it didn't make sense. It challenged her logic. It went against everything that she loved. It went against what was comfortable. But yet God provided every step of the way. And look what happened. It's incredible. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your promises. Lord, I doubt many of us have the faith that Mary and Joseph had. Maybe we do. I don't know. But God, we ask this morning for more of you. Lord, that you would cause us to decrease, that you may increase in our lives. Lord, that there would be more and more and more of you. Lord, the things in our lives that are challenging us right now, the things that are difficult, the places that we have doubt, our faith is lacking. Lord, increase our faith, we pray. Lord, that we would trust you with it. Lord, that we would let go of it. Father, for those in our lives that following you just makes it difficult. Lord, that in the coming year, if you call us to do something that will draw a line in the sand, it might cost us a friendship, it might cost us with something dear to our hearts, Lord, may we choose you first. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.